Hello and welcome to this week's Football Digest Extra Time. I'm Joe Chapman. I'm the West Bromwich Albion reporter for the Birmingham Mail and Birmingham Live. And I'm joined today by uh, James Nursey, our Midlands correspondent for The Mirror, The Express and The Star. It's been a busy week for football in Birmingham. Uh, Slavon Bilic lost his job at the Baggies and Sam Allardyce has taken charge. It wasn't the happiest of starts for Big Sam. Uh, they lost 3-0 at home to Aston Villa and had Jake Livermore sent off last night. It's a result that leaves Albion in the bottom three still. Uh, I suppose to kick things off with, James, you were there last night along, alongside myself at the Hawthorns. I suppose that really just spells out for Big Sam the, the, the job he has on his hands that he's inherited. Yes, I think it was a bit of a reality check for Big Sam, wasn't it, Joe? I mean, it was interesting to listen to his post-match press conference there. And I felt already we were starting to see signs that it, it, the enormity of the job is sinking into him. You know, he spelled out to the team pre-match that he didn't want any send-ins off. Then <laughs> Livermore gets sent off in the first half to add to the ill-discipline at the club already with previous send-ins off. You know, that's a suspension that's really going to hurt them. He was already talking, wasn't he, Joe, about potentially giving the armband to someone else to keep mm. even when Livermore's back again. And he's a man and a manager that's prided himself on organising a defence. So to see them ship a goal after five minutes um, must have been infuriating. And that, that's certainly the impression he gave. Yeah, I think so. I think you're absolutely right. The, the, the discipline this season has been a real concern for Albion. Uh, you know, Matez Pereira was sent off recently and we're only going to see him return on on the uh, the 27th of December up at Anfield, which is no small challenge for uh, for mm-hmm. Sam and Albion. Uh, and of course, earlier on the season, Kieran Gibbs lost his head at Everton. So they're not even, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them have been serious foul play or, or violent conduct or whatever you want to call it. So it's things that really, really ought to be stamped out because they're so avoidable, aren't they? And, and they're absolutely costing Albion. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose the agenda then to talk about, we'll talk plenty about Albion, we'll talk plenty about Villa. Uh, throughout the course of this conversation, uh, we'll start with with Albion and the week they've had. And I know that the the uh, the, the Derby defeat to, to Villa on Sunday evening was less than ideal. But going back a few days, James, were were, were Albion right to sack Sam Bilic? Were they right to part with him? I think Bilic had a lot of goodwill amongst the fans and the press. Um, but ultimately, he didn't have enough points on the board during the calendar year, even the second end of the championship, as you recall, when they sort of limped across the line to automatic promotion. So I don't think he can complain at the sack. And it wasn't a surprise because we know the Chinese owners have had issues with, with Billich for several weeks and months. And there has been plenty of articles in the press about the uncertainty. So I don't think he can complain too much. But obviously, he will feel, and I know he does feel, that he deserved more backing in the closed season window after gaining automatic promotion. Um, you know, he kept a lot of the players, didn't he, that had got the team up, but wasn't able to bring in a huge amount of, of new blood into the team. And, and I, I know that was a source of frustration. But you can see why the Chinese owners have rolled the dice. That's what they've done here with Sam Allardyce. Um, it hasn't worked in his first game, you've got to say. Um, but perhaps with Allardyce's experience and know-how, they've got more of a chance to beat the drop. But of course, it still looks likely that they will go down. And I noticed there's an interesting stat bounding around, bounding around, isn't there, Joe, that no team has had less, has had eight points or less after 14 games and never stayed up before. So it looks like you know, the stats really say this West Brom team are going down and Village will mm. unfortunately deserve his share of the blame for that. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, that does that spells trouble for Albion and, of course, Sheffield United as well, who are a good few points behind them. Uh, 
you go back to the to the, to the great escape. You go back to 15 years ago, and, and you think of the even that team had more points at this time in the season. I know we're a couple of games behind, but I think even there, you know, they, they had the change in management, and, and they made a couple of very very key signings back then to, to did, avoid uh, a relegation that seemed an absolute certainty halfway through the season. We're on the we're on the eve of the we're the eve of the January window now, James. Mm, yes, you know, do, do you do you see Allardyce being busy? Do you think that there is a scope to really, really change things drastically? I mean, the money's not really there. It wasn't something that was promised to Slavon Bilic. Certainly in the summer, they had a very, very small budget to work with. So, I mean, I suppose there's only so much that they can do, really, uh, going into mm. the January window. Mm. Yeah, Joe, well, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that the Albion's great escape there because I, I, I was working on the local local paper back there and great memories of, of, of that time he brought in, didn't he? Um, Richardson, Kieran Richardson and... Um, Kevin Campbell yep. up front, it really made the difference. But to answer your question, you know, that is the sort of signings that Allardyce is going to have to pull out the bag in January. And has he got the scope to do it? Um, I'm not sure he has. I don't know if you, you might have seen this in the pro, in the programme notes from last night. Um, he was talking candidly that there's not much money to spend in January and um, there's not much you can do. Now, listen, uh, this might not make a good reading for the podcast. I'm not sure, but I'll read Shall I read it out, Joe? What do you have to say in the programme notes last night? Because not many of the fans were there. I, I don't know. Do you want me to? It's a small excerpt, mate, if it's a small excerpt. It's a small yeah, excerpt. Sure he said, um, we will all talk about what players we could bring in during January, but there won't be loads spent in that window because the revenues of all football clubs have been devastated by the virus. So I'm going to have to try and work with what we can get and even if we do need somebody, I prefer to be sitting at the end of January with some points on the board. So, you know, he, he's saying there, isn't he, that there's just not not much funds to play with. And and you and I've seen this happen before at struggling clubs. They need some results in the bag by the time it gets to the end of January to justify rolling the dice, if you like, and spending some more money to step. Because if it's a it's the lost cause and they're going down, the owners will be just be chucking money down the drain so you know if they're within sight of survival mid late january then perhaps allardyce will find he has a few more quid to play with but it doesn't look from what he's saying there he's got much i mean i suppose ultimately james it's going to be a bit of a scramble isn't it i think a lot of albion fans would come to accept that it's not going to be particularly pretty this for the, for the next few months that's exactly why Allardyce have been brought in to do that kind of dirty work. And of course, I'm assuming he'll have, he'll have taken the job on the basis that he knows he's going to have a few quid to spend, you know, within reason, of course. It's all about finding three teams that are worse than you, isn't it? I suppose at this point in time and the, the, the weekend's results, you look at Sheffield United and Brighton drawing, probably an ideal result, really, mm -hmm. I think, for Albion. Newcastle and Fulham, it keeps Newcastle uh, in touch with the, with the bottom sides. Leeds were well beaten, so they're still down there. I think they're not a million miles away. Arsenal, you could have it your own podcast about Arsenal at this point <laughs> and the troubles they've got. That's I mean, it is going to be a case. Yeah, yeah, quite. I think it is going to be a case of of three teams being worse than you mm. at this point in time. Could you see that in this situation? Yeah. In this situation yeah. at the minute, James, the um, the, the way I'm going to play in their current their current predicament yes. and and the other sides yeah. of the bottom of the Premier League. 
Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? Are there three worst teams or are there going to be three worst teams in West Brom? I'm looking at the table now and I've seen quite a few of these teams in recent weeks. I've seen Burnley, who we know have a history of being solid and hard to beat under, under Sean Dyche and I, I don't expect them to get relegated. They've had a lot of injury problems and started the season slowly, but they are a settled team with them. They know they're shaped 4-4-2 with Wood being a handful up front, Barnes, etc. They've, they've got goals in them, even if some of them are at set pieces. Fulham, I saw them win at Leicester recently and what they did there really gave me belief that they could beat the drop as well because he played um, four at the back, but he had um, Bobby Decover-Reed dropping back in to make a five at the back and doing a really disciplined roll up and down the right flank. So, you know, when they play the teams like Liverpool or, or the better teams away like Leicester, they can flip between the four and the five-man defence and Reed was still getting up and down the pitch and winning a penalty. It was incredible performance from him. So I was very impressed by that. Sort of gave me the belief that maybe they've got the blueprint to, to pick up points on the road and, and, and stay up as well. So I can't see that there are three worse teams than um, than West Brom at the moment, but there are always teams that, that tailspin down and, you know, maybe Leeds... Surely Arsenal can't get relegated, but maybe Leeds could be that team or Newcastle to implode and get sucked into it. But um, it's not looking good for West Brom right now, is it? And how are you feeling about it all, Joe? I'm guessing this isn't a Merry Christmas in your household. Um, it's no secret, is it? You're a big Baggies fan? Yeah, it's it's rather uh, rather downbeat at the moment. I did hope for maybe a little bit of a bounce yesterday. Maybe I realised that Allardyce has had a matter of hours to it with this current team and he said it himself on Thursday that he was hoping that he would be a bounce merely based on the fact that he was in through the door and there was a change in management. But it was arguably their worst performance of the season. And I suppose the only thing I can take out of it is that, certainly as, as I said at the top of this podcast, that maybe it's the only potential blessing mm-hmm. is that Allardyce has now seen in full exactly what he's mm-hmm. got to work with and exactly the, the size of the task mm-hmm. that he and Sammy Lee and, and Robbie Stockdale have got uh, on yeah. their hands. So... Yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty grim outlook to be honest with you, James. At this point, from an Albion perspective, uh, it's never nice losing a derby match. I don't think Albion have lost as heavily to Aston Villa for a, a good few years as well. So, all things considered, yeah, you're right. It's not a great festive the start to the festive period. It's a very very difficult festive period for uh, for Albion on paper as well. Uh, we'll talk about Villa then. You know. Uh, it, the flip side to the Albion defeat is that Villa have uh, posted their second derby win in a matter of days. They seem to be a side that are really on the up now. They had a couple of players missing yesterday as well that probably would have been involved, uh, but for the fact that they were injured or, or unwell. I mean, all things considered, it's it's been a it's been a great start to the season. I know they've had a few hiccups and their home form still something that probably needs to be ironed out. But how far do you see this this Villa team going, James, at the moment? Well, there was a lot of excitement, wasn't there, at Villa Park? They'd stayed up in style, uh, albeit by the skin of their teeth, but they had some momentum at the end of the season and they carried on with some of the promising results, didn't they? That incredible win against Liverpool, for example, when you really felt for the fans who weren't there to see it. But um, So there is this optimism and they've got the ability to come up with these incredible results. But what they need, clearly, is consistency. So they're ninth in the table now and looking at it just um, dispassionately, I think a top 10 finish, it it would be great. And that would be cause for um, 
satisfaction and, and delight at Villa Park. Now, there will be fans who think, I know, I think Dean was asked about Europe last night, European qualification, for example. <laughs> His response was quite funny, wasn't it? What did he say? Uh, well, we, we can't travel to Europe at the moment, so it's a relevant question or something. Yeah. So he, was trying, <laughs> he was trying to play it down, wasn't he? Um, I think there will be the excited fans amongst them who, who will look to to Europe given the club's pedigree but as I say they are too inconsistent for me and uh, Paul Merson was saying this a few weeks back on Soccer Saturday and I totally agree with him a top 10 finish ninth, 10th 8th perhaps will be a great season for Villa um, they were a team who just beat relegation last season so um, I'm certainly not getting carried away fans are entitled to get carried away but I don't detect that the players and Dean Smith are getting carried away but there's certainly a lot of cause for excitement going into 2021, uh, at least on a football basis <laughs> at Villa Park. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think that you're absolutely right. You touched on it just just there. <clears throat> this is a side that, that scraped relegation, that scraped survival last season, uh, you know, by the skin of their teeth, went right down to the last game, right down to the second half of that last game. And a top 10 finish would surely be a, an enormous stride forward. I, I know that they, they've they received a lot of plaudits as a football club for the recruitment in the summer, that looks to be bearing fruit already. And as I say, Ross Barkley was somebody that has been a, has been a, has been a success when he's played this season. And of course, he's still to come back into the team as is as is Esri Konza, who was missing yesterday as well. So I think you're right. I think I suppose more locally speaking, it, it's been a great week, though, hasn't it? You know, to go and win at Molyneux, mm. who are a side that whether Villa fans like it or not, or, or you could say Albion fans, Sheffield United fans, Norwich fans, whoever who has been recently promoted, they are the kind of uh, the, the model promoted club in terms of what they've achieved, you know, with cup runs in Europe and, and so be it, so so forth since they got promoted. Mm. To go and win there at Molyneux with 10 men at the time when they scored that goal uh, and then to go and dismantle Albion, mm. uh, albeit it's a different test and, and, and a much lesser side at this moment in time. That's 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 one hell of a week right before Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. Back in rights. I suppose the only problem is that most offices aren't open in Birmingham so you uh-huh. can't exactly go and... Um, you know, rub it in the faces of your of your colleagues. Yeah, they're the, the kings of West Midlands right now. I'm sure. If normal times, if you're walking or driving through Birmingham, you'd be seeing plenty of Villa Christmas jumpers or whatever on display proudly, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> it's a shame for the fans, but I guess they can they can toast the team from their sofas. Uh, and they're playing good football, aren't they? They're exciting to watch. Grealish is phenomenal player. I think everyone in the country now appreciates that. I thought last night. Troyore, I think it was just his fourth Premier League start, but the, he close season signing. He's really coming to the party and looking good. It, even before he scored that good mm-hmm. left, that yeah. good goal at the end, he'd still put in a lot of decent uh, left footed um, set pieces and crosses. I think it's interesting. Yeah. He's now taking set pieces given um, some of the quality in that team. That says a lot. And uh, I thought his delivery from that yeah. wide got the assist for the first goal, of course, decent. didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a good ball. Although uh, Allardyce was fuming with the defending there, wasn't he? Post match, I think he of course, much, yeah, uh, destroyed for long there with some of his comments. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Allardyce is sixty six and he's he's done it all before. And if he if he if he thinks a player's made a bad mistake, he's going to say it, isn't he? Um, let's hope the, the modern quite, footballer quite, can deal yeah. can deal with that criticism because some of them are a little bit thin skin these days, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, go, go, what about Grealish? What about Grealish, James? I've got, I've, I've got to ask about Grealish. I, I mean, generally speaking, it's the first time I've seen him in the flesh for a, for a, a little while now. Obviously, we're mm. we're going back a couple of years. It's 
incredible. I know his return to the side under Smith a couple of years ago in the Championship was very much the catalyst for that run. Uh, you know, giving him the captain's armband at the time upon his return from his injury seems like a masterstroke now, doesn't it? They wouldn't, you know, looking back. Mm. They got that run. They got themselves promoted at the expense of Albion, of course. And they kept themselves in the Premier League last season. It probably wasn't pretty, you know, all the time. But they've now given themselves a platform. Uh, and, and Grealish is that shining light, isn't he? And he, somebody last night you watched every time. I don't know Albion had a 10 men for a good period of the game, but... Mm. Every time they got the ball to Grealish, you were expecting him to go and do something and, and create something. And it, it, he can do that against anyone, can't he? It doesn't matter whether it was Albion or Wolves in a, mm. a derby environment. He can go and do that. And we've seen him do that against the likes of Arsenal and and, and the like this mm. season already. Mm. I mean, Villa fans and people like myself have been going to the games for years. I've known this kid's got a lot of talent, but I think it's fair to say he's taken his game to an, another level. He was very good last season, but I think probably getting the England call up the recognition, being a, even now a regular starter for England, given the limited uh, fixtures so far this season. But he's featured prominently, hasn't he? He's got more and more involved as every game's gone by, and that's given him a lot of confidence, clearly. And he's got all the technical ability and pace. Uh, I think the worry for me with Grealish is um, he does get fouled a lot. He's the Premier League's most fouled player. Another red card for a foul on him last night when Liverpool clattered him. He does get some treatment, doesn't he? He really gets some kickings. And sooner or later, and I'm worried from an England perspective, really, with the Euros next summer, sooner or later, it's inevitable someone's really going to injure him quite badly. I think, I think it is that blunt. Um, so that's a massive worry from my perspective as an, as an England um, fan. Someone like see the national team do well, and I'm sure Villa's on a more parochial level. Villa fans will be, you know, they'll be in the back of their minds too. But when he's in full flow, like he was last night, taking on players, um, slows the play down and then accelerates away from a player. I mean, it, the incredible thing with Grealish is he's technically so good, isn't he? Because if it was a running race, he wouldn't be one of the fastest players on the pitch. But with the ball at his feet, he, he, he can accelerate away from players because his, his close control is fantastic. So yeah. um, Villa, as we know, have got a hell of a player on their hands. I expect to see out the season, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some some phone calls for him in January from the top clubs, at least checking on his availability with a, with a view to a, some summer bids um, next year. But, you know, this Villa have done well to keep him on massive terms. They've showed their ambition. Mm. And credit to Grealish for, for sticking with his, his boyhood club so far. I anticipate yeah. they'll get pretty short thrift from uh, from Villa any potential suitors next month. I suppose they're going to. I suppose probably Villa fans have almost kind of made their peace with that. It's it's rather inevitable, isn't it, when you've got a player of, of you of that talent mm. on your hands? Uh, the clubs, the vultures, the way modern football is, they're, they're always going to circ, aren't they? And, and certainly mm. test the water when it comes to um, recruiting him. So yeah, I mean, certainly from a Villa Villa perspective, you want him there for, for the for the career, don't you? You want him there to be a just a you know a club legend in year, in years to come. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll look we'll look forwards then just very quickly before we, okay. we leave James. The short term period for Villa for Albion. We'll go back to Albion for a moment. The festive period is absolutely crazy as usual. They play the twenty seventh. They go to Anfield. Then two days later they host Leeds. Yes, they host they host Arsenal the day after New Year's Day, and then they go to Blackpool in the FA Cup. I mean. I mean, I know Arsenal have hit some bad form and I know that Leeds are obviously a team that can see a hell of a lot of goals. We saw that last night, how open they can be. But you still think to yourself, have Albion got enough 
in the tank to punish those teams when they come to the Hawthorns, as they might have done two, three, four years ago when they were a Premier League team. It, it's, it's, it's a big ask, isn't it, at this moment in time? Uh, and uh, I suppose with Sam as well, he, he said as much last night, you know, he, he's not going to have much time to work with these players. He was even surprised by how restrictive these protocols are at the training ground yes, when it comes yeah. to COVID. So I thought that you know, was a very interesting and telling comment. Actually. So, uh, you know, he's not going to have, it's not going to be a case of working with them for five, six hours a day, is it? It's going to be very, very minimal. Certainly mm-hmm. that's what the sports science lads at Albion have yeah, been advising him. So That's but, worrying, I think. That's, that's further cause for concern for West Brom fans. You know, he wants to drill the team on the training ground and he admitted that actually after he got in the front door last night he, that he spoke to the sports scientists, he, he said that the schedule's so intense that he's going to have a lot less time to work with the players than he, than he thought. So that is is, is also a, um, alarm bells for me and uh, regarding West Brom. Um Excuse me if I'm cutting across you there, Joe, but uh, no. I thought that was an interesting point you made last night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, looking forward then, James, you're thinking, yeah. Yeah. you know, where are these points coming from? Do you see anything yeah. coming? Because even January, you know, they've got to go to West Ham, they've got to go to Molyneux. There's there's a huge run of fixtures now yeah. in terms of mm. what they mean to Albion fans, you know, yeah. in terms of the, the, the opposition they're going to be coming up against in terms of local rivalries again. So, there's a hell of a lot to be done here, isn't there? There's no, yeah. there's no kind of nice runs of fixtures for Bradley to kind of get his feet under the table. Yeah, with. I've pulled up the fixtures just in front of me now, and with Allardyce, you can scrap Blackpool and the FA Cup because he he won't be interested in that. Basically, they'll put out a French team for that, won't he? But but Liverpool looming large on the 27th on Sunday. I think you can virtually write off getting anything out of that game that's going to damage limitation for West Brom. And then you look at the Leeds and the Arsenal home games back to back and think, well, that's a real chance. He's had a little bit of time to work with the team. He's got to get some points from those two games. I'd almost say he really needs to be getting four points or at least one win from from those two games. Going into the Liverpool game, though, Joe, I did think it was interesting that there was a spell in the second half when 10-man Albion were 1-0 down but they 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 were solid in their shape and they didn't concede again till till late on and and they had villa playing in front of them really and they were disciplined in their shape and i noticed that from looking at down at the bench in front of the press box listening to sammy lee allardyce and their comments post match that's clearly what they're going to want and um demand and uh, you know they want these two bags of four um or or it was a 4141 wasn't it last night but mm. You know, that that organisation, that discipline, the marking at set pieces, those are the things that the Allardyce uh, um, backroom staff and he himself will be bringing to Albion. So he he saw something at least for 30 minutes last night when they were a man down that they, they can keep their shape and yeah. you know, carry out instructions. And, and that, that's what they'll need at Anfield to have a prayer of getting anything out of that game. Um, then even if they lose it, if, at least if they can show some defensive discipline, that might give them some foundations uh, for those other games that you mentioned where they've got a better chance of picking up points. Yeah, and, and of course, we all know this by this stage in the season, Albion have actually played better against the bigger sides anyway. You, know, you only have to go back a few days to their trip to the Etihad where they turned it a very, very encouraging display and, and left with a point. Yes. I think you're right. I think in, in Ajayi and O'Shea, he's got a pair in there of, of, of young defenders who have not played a Premier League match before they got to this season. And, uh, you know, have given their all, I think, certainly in the yeah. last in the last couple of weeks where they've they've been kind of the, the back two uh, rather than a back three. 
I think you're right. There's a there's a skeleton there to almost kind of be built around. Really, if you can put the flesh on those bones, then you might have something to work with. Yeah. Yeah. The frustration, of course, with him is as he as he pointed out multiple times in his press conference last night. It's the soft goal to give away, just like against Palace, just like against uh, Newcastle. They've conceded really early and they've set themselves uh, on the back foot straight away. And then, you know, the, the red card we've already talked about, it was absolutely mindless from from Jake Livermore, who throughout the course of Slavin Bilic's tenure was was absolutely terrific, really. I think embodied Bilic. Uh, that's, not a, that's not a good start. Sort of interesting and Allardyce's tenure no inter- I, I can't read Jake Livermore's mind clearly but it's interesting what you say about Livermore and Village being so intrinsically linked and you, I wonder if maybe a bit of frustration from Livermore about the whole second and everything's crept into his approach there and he's just uh, I know he's a, supposedly a bit of a hothead isn't he um, I think that's fair to say but um, you know if he's well, towards Village maybe possibly his, his it, it, to his downfall there Possibly. I mean, in the short term, certainly the thing Allardyce is going to have to worry about now is is actually replacing him. We've not got, mm. I don't think we've got a lot of options. So even if Livermore isn't particularly the answer in the long term, in the short term, you're going to, you're going to need your skipper because otherwise beyond that, you've got Conor Gallagher, who's been really, really good this season. I know from Chelsea, but he's still a young kid. Mm. Uh, and of course, then you've got Romain Sawyers. There's not a hell of a lot after that in terms of midfield options. So he's going to have to, to work around that. Um, by the way, I was surprised because he was very critical of Livermore last night, wasn't he? I thought, he yeah, I think it, it, it was clear. It was clear that he was very, very disappointed with yeah. having, having given having given that advice, having given that that mm. uh, well those instructions. It sounds obvious, doesn't it? But he was well, he said very, very clearly to the squad: "Don't do anything rash. Don't get easily sent off. There aren't any fans there, but it's still a local derby. Don't don't uh, don't lose your head." Which is sadly what Livermore. Uh, Livermore did uh, must actually very very quickly about yeah. Courtney Hawes' challenge I mean you've seen it a couple of times since uh, on Grady Dean Garner just before half time it was a yellow card but unlike the Livermore one mm. um, which went to VAR and was overturned and given uh, and changed into a red VAR did check it but stuck with stuck with the yellow what, what, what did you make of that? Well, I can see why West Brom and Allardyce, um, who are new to VAR, aren't they? <laughs> Coming back into Premier League after an absence, I can see why they were incensed about it. And you know, you can rail against the inconsistencies, and it? it's certainly something Albion can feel hard done by. But would it really have um, changed the outcome of the match with Albion already one 0 down? I, I, I suspect not. But but, but Villa possibly did, did dodge a bit of a bit of a bullet there. So that is the one thing perhaps otherwise could could say from last night was unlucky. Uh, and I suppose now going forwards, we've talked about Albion's festive period. Villa's festive period is a pretty tricky one as well. I mean, they've got Palace. You've already talked about the home form and the, the need to marry the away form, the excellent away form they've had this season with with good home form now. I mean, that's a good opportunity, isn't it? Palace are a, are a dangerous team. I've seen it for myself, uh, the Hawthorns yeah. the other week. But, you know, if you can get a result there, they've then got to go to Old Trafford. They've got Liverpool in the Cup. They've got Spurs and Everton. So they've got, you know, a tricky run of games uh, over the festive period, which will really test, I suppose, their their credentials, uh, depending on where they want to finish in the, in, in the league table. But what do you make? What do you make of the, the festive period for Villa? What do you foresee coming, James? Well, I think the next game is going to be very interesting, Joe, isn't it? It's Palace at home. Palace have just been thumped by Liverpool. Yeah. Hobson's going to be hurting. I think he used the phrase embarrassed about that loss. And they're going to come to, to Villa on Boxing Day with a point between their t- uh, a bit between their teeth and a, and a point to prove, aren't they? And, and often you see a reaction from teams once they've been thumped. So 
Villa are already a little bit inconsistent and struggling at home. This will be a good test for them. If they are to have ambitions of doing much this season, it's clear the area for improvement needs to be the home form. They've had five away wins already this season, which is outstanding. But they're not going to get into Europe or do anything particularly outrageous unless they sort the home form out. So let's, let's see how they get on on Boxing Day. If they can dismantle Palace and keep continue this impressive run at the back of clean sheets against the likes of Zahar and, of course, Mr. Benteke back at Villa mm. Park um, and um, Esri. Uh, Esri's looking good, isn't he, for, for, for Palace? Um, yeah. So that, that'll be a good workout for them. Let's see how they get on on that. If, if they can bounce into the new year, having dispatched Palace at home and finally sort of shown they can break down teams at Villa Park, then they've got a lot more grounds for optimism, even more grounds for optimism. Well, it's going to be a jam-packed and pretty interesting uh, few weeks now for Albion and Villa. James, thank you for joining me uh, this morning on the uh, Football Digest Extra Time podcast. Thank you also to all the West Bromwich Albion and Aston Villa supporters who have uh, been watching and and commenting along uh, in our watch-along on our respective social media channels. Um, Thank you very much. Look out for the the Football Digest podcast uh, later in the week.